Hey everybody, Ben Nelson, the Everyday Real Estate Investor here. Hope you're having another fantastic day out there uh, exploring all the amazing real estate opportunities that are out there. So um, again, despite what the headlines say, it's always a good time to buy real estate uh, because there's always opportunities. So, uh, you know, everything that's out there is very generic, very general. Um, don't let the headlines scare you from, from moving forward on your goals uh, in, for investing in real estate. Make sure you're looking for the right opportunities, staying educated, and that's why you're listening to this and hopefully listening to other podcasts as well to, to be educated, to be inspired, to, to know that there's opportunity out there no matter what the market is doing. So uh, let's jump into it today. We're going to talk about uh, value-add real estate and, and how to create equity and find those opportunities. So this I love this because uh, this to me is one of the big differences. I mean, there's a lot of differences uh, between, you know, real estate and investing in that and and other investment opportunities, uh, stock market, you know, lots of things you could be investing in. Um, Obviously, there's I'm obviously partial to real estate um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the one of the big things is that you can actually, you know, outside of the overall market forces um, that you don't have control over, you have control, some control over the the value that you have in your in your property and the value that you can create. Where, you know, you own a stock, you are at the whim of the market. Yeah, you can make decisions based on, you know, all the data and what's going on and how the company's doing and emotion uh, within the marketplace, all of that stuff. Uh, and none of that you really have. You have control over your decision. You have control over what you're deciding. You think is going to happen with the market, but you don't really have control over the actual value of the stock and the value in the company, right? So this is very, real estate is very different where you actually have some control over what the value of the property is. And and that's based on, you know, the condition, income, all that stuff where we're, we're gonna get into um, how, to, how to do that and how to, um, you know, create some opportunity and create some equity um, in different ways in real estate. So uh, there, there, I'm gonna break this down into a couple different categories because there's different types of, uh, of equity. Um, and that'll make sense here in just a minute. And, and I'm gonna talk about two of them today. The first one is found equity. So this is equity that is there. It's already, you know, you all, there's already equity and you're finding it. So how do you find equity? What does that mean? Um, this could be uh, on a number of different things. This could be, these are your like, your don't wanters, right? So someone that owns a property, uh, they're done with it. They're willing to, you know, walk away with getting less than they could get in the regular market, whether that's because there's a life situation going on, they're just tired of dealing with the property, they need the money for something else, and they're, they're just not looking necessarily to get top dollar out of it because they have other uses for that money or they have to just get it off their plate and move on to something else in, in life, right? And this doesn't even, this. so people hear this sometimes and I think they think, well, well, you're taking advantage of someone. You're taking advantage of someone that ha- is in a rough spot or needs to do something else. Um, and, and I don't see it that way. And I don't really think that a lot of people that sell in this in these situations think of it that way either on, on their end. I think uh, for the most part, they're, they're just glad to have someone that's willing to buy their property uh, with a number that works for them and a number that lets them move on to whatever they're doing. So just because you're you're buying something for under market value, the seller could be totally aware of that and 100% okay with that. So don't don't hear stealing a property from someone or you know or taking advantage of them 
you know, trying to hide and be deceitful. No, this is providing, again, we're providing solutions and you can find people in those situations uh, that are just are ready to hand that off and they're, they're okay giving some equity over to um, the new owner, right? Um, so your don't waters, you can, your, your don't wanders are, you know, people that don't want to continue to hold on the, onto a property for whatever reason, you know, those are what you're looking for. Um, you're adding value again in, in the service you're providing by providing an, an easy solution to the seller. So don't forget that what you're bringing to the table is something of value, right? You're you're providing a you know a way for them to close quickly, maybe a creative solution in financing, um, something that is beneficial to them to be able to do what they want to do. And so there's value in that, and and sometimes that's in the form of equity. Um, so who do you who do you look for in this kind of situation to try to find these scenarios? So you know tired landlords, people that have owned buildings for a long period of time are probably you know they're self managing. Maybe they're tired of dealing with you know, their tenants and repairs and all the things that come with being a landlord. If if you're not hiring a management company, and there are old school landlords out there that uh, that's what they do and they they manage their own properties. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. That's not how I run my my business. But there's a lot of people. That, that do that and you know at a certain point it wears on you right changes in laws uh, tenants you know causing issues repairs adding up all these things that you have to manage and eventually it's like you know what I love this cash flow um, I don't love having to deal with this on an everyday basis right I'm, I'm supposed to be retired now this is supposed to be my retirement and I'm working every day on my property and dealing with the issues there so and and these are pri- those are also prime scenarios for seller financing right because you have someone that is used to income coming in and they would probably like to continue to receive that regular monthly income, but without the hassles. So just a quick side note there, those are great scenarios for, for exploring seller financing with an owner. Um, you know, transitioning owners with deferred maintenance. So in, in, in owner that has lived there a long time, but maybe has let some maintenance things go, they're just they're ready to move on. Um, and they understand that, hey, that, that needs work or I just need this certain amount to be able to move to this other facility or whatever, right? Um, out-of-state owners are a great one as well because you know a lot of times they don't see the, the the property, they don't maybe necessarily know what's going on in the local market where you have some some indication of um, you know where things are headed in in that neighborhood. Um, and again, that that's not taking advantage of someone. You know, you're you're if you're giving them a number that makes sense for them to get them where they're going and, and you're privy to things that are coming down the pipeline and, and that's going to bring you some equity. Um, hey, that's what, that's why you paid for your knowledge as well. Right. So, um, and then another one that I, that I think that a lot of people don't really think about, and this is, you know, probably not when you're starting out, but just something to keep on your radar for when you maybe have the ability to, to purchase some more is, uh, buying in bulk. So you buy a portfolio, uh, from someone else, you know, look at think of someone with uh, 20 single-family homes spread across either one market or multiple, right? Um, and and especially in in ones that are broken up like this, a, a bulk sale is very appealing to a lot of sellers because uh, they, I mean, think about trying to facilitate selling you know, 20 single-family homes all at once, especially if you're trying to do a 1031 exchange. And we're not going to get into the nuances of that, but you have there's certain timeframes that have to be met to identify and and purchase a replacement property to, to defer your gains. So if you're selling a bunch of individual properties that are spread out, uh, 
that's going to be really, really difficult to try to time out the closings to make, uh, a, you know, say you're tra- you're selling those and you're going to trade into a, just one apartment building. I'm going to cons- or one commercial building or whatever it is. I'm going to consolidate all this. I don't have to manage all of these separate properties anymore. Even if I have property management, it's still kind of a hassle. Let's put it all into one building. I know where my one building is at. I can manage that or have a manager manage that. I, you know, I just, I just don't want to deal with all this scattered. And this happens all the time. Um, they're going to be, they're going to probably be willing to take a pretty significant discount off of the current value because if, if someone's willing to buy all of them, because you are providing a solution to them that, Hey, I've got one buyer for all these properties. Yeah. I'm taking a 10 or 20%, uh, you know, hit on the value. And, but I don't have to worry about trying to sell 20 properties to 20 different people and, try to somehow make them all close within a time frame that makes sense to buy this other building, right? That's just not going to happen. Um, so you can get a discount, say, hey, I'm going to provide you a solution. I'm going to close all at once. They know they have a buyer. You're getting equity right up front and you're providing a solution for them to be able to move on to their next purchase without having the hassle and the questions of, is, is this going to happen? Am I going to be able to you know, bring all these together? What if one sale of these 20 falls apart? You know, and now this whole thing explodes, right? And then, then you're in trouble. So um, that's a great place to look. And there's, there's, that's just one scenario. Someone with a portfolio selling. Um, sometimes banks are unloading portfolios when they, when they have uh, bank-owned properties. Um, so there's, there's a few different scenarios where you can uh, buy in bulk and and uh, be able to buy into some pretty good equity. Um, okay, the next one we're going to move on to is forced equity. So this one. Uh, found equity is great because uh, you're not doing anything physically to the property. You're you're typically finding a scenario and providing a solution that that offers that ability to get um, that found equity and step into equity immediately, right? So um, and actually, there's another. So I guess really quick, we've talked to a couple turnkey providers that you know build. And then, you know, you put your deposit down, they build, you have equity right away when the house is complete. So that would be kind of a found equity um, solution as well, because you're really not, I guess you're, you're, you're forcing it in the way that you're building. But um, so I don't know which category that falls into, actually. But <laughs> that's another scenario uh, as well um, that I guess you could put like kind of right on the line. Um, but forced equity. So um, this is you doing something to the property. And that's where I, I say, I guess, the, the build to rent stuff is you're not really you're not really doing that yourself to the property. You're not, you're not forcing the equity. So that's the difference. Um, but force equity is where you're taking something, you're, you're buying a property, and then you're doing something to it to increase the value. Um, and there's a lot of ways that you can do this. So we're going to go over a few of those right now so you've got some ideas as to, as to how to go about doing that. So the first one is, it, of course, you can rehab it, right? So you add value by updating it, by... Um, giving it new systems by um, updating it practically um, or and or doing things to it that are going to be within the current trends. You know, you take your 1970s house, your 1980s house, it's never been remodeled, uh, you know, completely dated, not relevant to today's trends and, and what people are looking for. You update it with, uh, you know, all the finishes and change, maybe changing some floor plan stuff and things like that that are going to make uh, it more appealing to today's buyer. Now, all of a sudden, it's worth more money because people are willing to pay more for that product, right? So um, 
you're forcing that equity by doing something to it. You're physically, uh, you're physically improving the property to increase the value. Um, adding units. Uh, uh, this is basically, uh, this is not subdivision. This is not necessarily, you know, going through any of that process, but uh, just adding a unit where there can be another unit. A lot of local zoning here in the Portland metro area has changed to where now single family zones, you can add accessory dwelling units. You can add, you can build a duplex. So you can add a duplex in a lot of cases. So there's there's ability, if there's room to build it, where you could build a new or additional unit on that property. I've seen uh, other people do, you know, they do basement unit uh, um, in it's got a lower level unfinished, but it's got high ceilings. It's got a separate entrance. You turn a basement into a second unit. So there's all sorts of ways to add units on and, and not even have to do anything with the, the lot itself. The lot still stays one lot. Uh, I, I did this on one of my properties and I, I've used this as a, as a case study scenario that I've talked about a couple times on here where, you know, everybody drove by it. They didn't realize that, you know, I, I lost out on it, I think three or four times because I got outbid. And then I, I did eventually end up getting it and we built an accessory dwelling unit to it. A detached structure looks just like a single family home. Wouldn't even be able to tell unless you know that it's all on one lot. But, um, uh, you, you know, it looks like they're two separate lots, but they're not. Uh, but everybody, I, I probably four or five times when I was out on the job site, I had people drive by. I would have bought that, but I didn't know you could do that. Right. So adding units is a big, a big thing you can do because essentially you, you have depending on what you can build, you're getting the land for free, right? A big part of making something work and having it pencil is the cost of the land. So if you can buy it something with a structure on it, and then now you can add one or two units, your, your, set, your, your cost basis is only the construction costs. It's not, you don't have any land cost in that. So that's huge in being able to, to do something and, and add value, especially when you're you know, you're trying to cash flow it or whatever you're trying to do with it. It's just that land cost being zero essentially um, is a huge deal. Um, <clears throat> development, um, that is something you can do. So we, the other one was adding units. Uh, weren't talking about splitting things up or anything like that. It's all, you know, just add it to the same lot. Uh, but development is a way to force equity. You, uh, you can do as little as getting the entitlements to the land, which means you're not actually physically, you're not really doing anything. You're basically just doing paperwork, right? You're saying, okay, it's zoned for this. I can, it's an acre. I can get six lots per acre. Uh, you know, so I'm going to go to the, go through the steps with this, this local jurisdiction, whether that's the city or the County, I'm going to make, get the approvals to do that. And then now I've created value because now I've gotten it approved that I can have six lots here. So now it's worth more money than it was before, right? You didn't even do anything. You just went through paperwork, got the approval, and got it through the process, the initial process uh, for them to say, yes, you can do this. Now it's worth more. And then from there, you can take it and you can fully subdivide it. You can complete the subdivision or the partition if it's just a couple lots. And uh, you can sell off those lots. You can stop there or you can build it out. Each step you're adding value you're you're forcing equity because it, you've done something to improve the property and what can be done with the property so you know your entitlement stage you're adding equity you're forcing equity your subdivision stage getting it to finish lots you're forcing some equity as well your your ground up construction building the houses uh, or apartment buildings or whatever you're building that's going to create some equity as well so there's equity to be found and or created in in each of those scenarios 
Um, this is similar, but but it's different. It's different. Change of use or zoning. So, yeah, this is definitely different, actually. Uh, a building that was used for one purpose and you can change it into uh, another use that is worth more uh, more money. Uh, one example of this is uh, nightly rentals. So uh, a functioning nightly rental that has history and is doing well is going to have more value in the marketplace than the same exact house that has never been used in that way. Number one, because of the typically the approvals that you have to get to be able to do that. And number two, because you have income history and you have a business that you're selling, not just a physical house. So you're changing the use, you're, you're bringing in a different kind of income, a different amount of income, uh, and you are now raising that value and forcing that equity. Um, and change of use can go across, you know, it can go from uh, commercial to residential, or it can go really from anything. You know, you see people coming in and converting old warehouses to residential use, right? So you're, you're changing the use from where it's worth one, uh, it's one value with this type of use. Well, if you change it to this other type of use, because of the area it's in and what's around there and what's in demand, now it's worth more just based on the use. And, and sometimes again, just like the entitlement, sometimes that's just a matter of going through a process with the city or the, or the local jurisdiction, getting that change approved. Now you can do this with it instead. And then you don't even have to necessarily be the one to do it, hand it off to someone that's you know, maybe more in a position to do that and uh, develop it from there and you get you get that equity that you forced in, in between. Um, one thing that I want, oh, and a quick, just a quick note, just this is where it's really important to know what is allowed and what's not allowed and what's changing within your city and zoning because that's where you find opportunities. When, you know, what is it now? What can it be? What is it gonna probably be able to be in the future? That's how you find those opportunities and, and flesh those out is by knowing what's going on and what uh, what is changing. Um, one thing that I want to really make sure to, to point out here is that so in in residential generally, other than um, maybe the the nightly rental scenario where if you can sell that as a business, uh, but in general re residential real estate, single family homes, one to four unit, uh, you know, four, one to four unit plexes, two to four unit plexes, um, your value is your is based on comparable sales. So similar properties that have sold within a very small uh, radius of that property, similar era, similar size, uh, and similar, similar quality. That's what they're looking for. That's what's gonna dictate and, and drive what your property is worth. So this is very important when you're doing a rehab, right? Is to uh, know that it doesn't matter what a property three miles down the road sold for that you remodel it to those standards. It matters what's in the immediate radius, what's in that neighborhood, and you got to make sure that you're paying attention. We talked about that in a podcast quite some time ago about not what not to do in your rehabs. You don't want to over improve the neighborhood, right? So uh, you have to really look at what are the what are the comparable sales in the area because that's what's going to dictate your value, and you want to make sure that you're you're doing a rehab that's equal to what the neighborhood, it's not over improving for the neighborhood. Um, otherwise, you're not going to force that equity that, that you think you are, right? Um, where, so that's how residential is valued. Now, co multifamily, commercial, 
um, anything that's not considered residential, so your multifamily apartments, your your retail, your office space, all that, that's based on the that's that's value based on the income and what those assets are trading for uh, in local cap cap rates. So basically, cap rate is a measure of return. Uh, you can look at what things are trading for based based on the income of those that property that'll give you what kind of what the cap rate is in the area and then you you just can work those numbers backwards to determine what something's worth you take the the cap rate for the area and you take the the net operating income so your income minus your expenses and you just you work that formula and then that gives you uh, the value of the building so the great thing about this is that you can really affect so whereas with single family homes, residential properties, you really don't have as much control. Yes, you can force the equity um, based on doing the work you're doing to it, things like that. Um, but if your neighbor sells their property, uh, you know, that's going to, and it's a similar property, that's going to really dictate what it's, what it's worth, right? Whereas, um, yes, in the, in the sense that if a commercial building sells and they sell it at a cap rate that's way higher, that could potentially affect um, the value as well because it affects cap rates in the area. Um, you do have more control over the value of your property with a commercial building because you actually can, can have some control over the income and that's what the value is based on. So you can do a lot of things when you buy a building to come in and change you're buying a business, right? You're buying something that is generating income and that income determines the value. Uh, so you can come in and you can do, you can make the building more efficient. Lots of people are putting in, uh, you know, things to, to manage the use of water and, and utilities and things like that and be able to make sure that uh, the, the buildings are being as efficient as possible. Uh, you can find where, where's waste, where's the past owner, where did they, not manage effectively? Where do they spend money that they didn't need to spend on something, right? Um, and you can find some economies of scale. Maybe you buy a building that someone, you know, they, there was not enough units to have that economy of scale of, of management, of maintenance person. So you had to bring in people to do work all the time and you buy, you know, two within close proximity of each other. And now you've got maybe the, the ability to hire full-time uh, on-site manager or hire a full-time maintenance person, something like that, where you can cut costs and still provide the same service. Um, so those are just a few ways where you can you can reduce those expenses, and that's going to change your bottom line, right? That's going to change your your income that's coming in. Um, you can increase your income as well, right? You can reduce your expenses. The other side of that of that is you can increase the income of it. So you can you can raise rents, right? Maybe you bought something that's just been under rented for a long time you know again those long-term landlords that just don't want to mess with it they don't want to rock the boat so they just kind of leave it uh oh, they always pay the rent on time i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know push their rent up because it's fine I, i'm making good enough money it's fine i'm not gonna i'm not gonna worry about it um and, and you find a lot of that and and so you know you bump them up to something that's more of a market rent now here in oregon we do have limitations on doing that uh, but you still can do it within a certain degree and, and over time you could even, you know, if they're way under market, it's going to take you several years to get them up to market, uh, rents, but you can get them there. Um, you can of course add value, right? If it's, if it, the community justifies it, you could build a community center, you could add a park, you could, 
um, upgrade the units and make them more appealing, more uh, you know, more updated. Those same those things are going to draw a higher paying tenant base that is going to pay more for the same unit, right? So um, you can add services. You can um, bring it. You can start charging for laundry. Like believe it or not, there's some landlords that have a shared laundry facility and. They just include that in the rent and the tenants are doing laundry all the time and they're paying, you know, the, the landlord's paying for the water. And I mean, goodness sakes, that's, a, that's expense and income that you're missing out on, right? You're paying the expense and you're not even bringing any income in on it. So, um, so those are just a few ideas. But the bottom line is you can, you can do a lot of things to both reduce your expenses and increase your income. And in the end, what that does is it creates a higher net operating income and that's what your property value is based on. So if you can manage and and run your your business, your property better than the previous person, that's where you find your forced equity is by by managing it in a in a better way. Um, and just a last reminder on this that I think is people miss is that oh okay, well I reduced my expenses, I increased my rent a little bit, you know, okay, so I've got you know 100 bucks a month extra on on per unit like what's the big deal it's not it's not going to change my life it's not really that big of a deal um and it's not exciting right it's like well i mean that's great but like what does that really do for me um which i would also say you're not thinking long term then if you're thinking that way but i do want to demonstrate the power of value uh based real estate because uh, income based valuation i guess i should say because take that hundred dollars a month and don't think of it as a hundred dollars a month Think of it as a on a 20 unit, on a 20 unit building, that's $2,000 a month or $24,000 a year, uh, which is still, you know, that's not an income. That's not a, that's a, it's not going to probably pay your bills, right? But at a 5% cap rate, that is actually $480,000 in new equity that you have created. So $100 a month per unit difference actually made half a million dollars in new equity. And there are ways you can leverage that or you can, you know, you can maybe sell and take that equity moving into something else. Uh, and, and so now you're taking those steps to, to build your portfolio and build up. Uh, so don't think of it as just $100 a month extra per unit. Think of it as, again, on the 20 unit, that's a half a million dollars of new equity that you can use to build your business and build your portfolio. Um, so hopefully all this has been helpful. Look for opportunities to to add value, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna be able to find opportunity, and that's what you should be looking for right now too. I mean, I, I think there's great opportunities to to add value in growing markets and in markets that are changing. Um, it, there's always opportunities, and there's always people looking to get rid of something that that you can force some equity or find some equity. So go find some opportunities to add value to the real estate you find. Uh, not only that though, add value to the owner that's selling it because you're the you're the one who is creating a solution to their problem and making it a win for everyone right so we're looking for opportunities to add value in real estate but we're also looking for opportunities to add value to the people that we're buying it from so we can help them get from where they are to where they want to be and not just help ourselves so thanks again for listening hope you guys have a great rest of the day and go and buy some amazing real estate until next time